0: Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living A Course in Miracles. This is the 11th topic in the lessons episodes. How is peace possible? Peace is a state of mind which gains freedom from disturbance to tranquility. It is also defined as a state or period which there is no war or war has ended. Although they sound like two different things, they are one and the same. Think about it. If the minds of the people of this world were at peace, so would a global state of peace exist. Peace lies in all of us. It is the obstacles that we place in its way that keeps it from being part of our daily existence. Peace is a state of mind. We control our minds. We decide every day how we're going to feel, what we're going to do, and what we are going to share the biggest obstacle for peace is us. We struggle with the idea that it is totally out of our control. We we want to blame and point fingers at others and things which we believe hinder us from finding peace. When I looked through my edition of the course, I found lots of references to peace. Chapter 19 in the original text is dedicated to peace, actually more so to the obstacles that we put in place um, in front of peace. And it's called the attainment of peace, chapter 19. Um, so I'm going to read some um, pieces from that. And then the manual for teachers has a couple of reference references to finding peace as well. So we're going to start with chapter 19, the attainment of peace. So chapter 19 in my text starts on 398. But I'm actually going to jump a little bit ahead to um, the obstacles to peace, which is on page 406. So 406, obstacle to peace, it's number four. It says it is in Roman numerals. Um, One says, as peace extends from deep inside yourself to embrace all the sonship and give it rest, it will encounter many obstacles. Some of them you will try to impose. Others will seem to arise from elsewhere. From your brothers and from various aspects of the world outside. yet peace will gently cover them, extending past completely unencumbered. The extension of the Holy Spirit's purpose from your relationship to others to bring them gently in is the way in which He will bring means and goal in line. The peace He lay, deep within you and your brother will quietly extend to every aspect of your life surrounding you and your next page brother with glowing happiness and the calm awareness of complete protection paragraph two sentence forces you can need, you can indeed be sure of nothing you see outside you but of this you can be sure the holy spirit asks that you offer him a resting place where you will rest in him He answered you and entered your relationship. Would you not now return his graciousness and enter into a relationship with him? For it is he who offered your relationship the gift of holiness, without which it would have been forever impossible to appreciate your brother. So this next section I want to read is the first obstacle. So these are referring to the obstacles to fear. So on page 407, the first obstacle, the desire to get rid of it. Paragraph one says the first obstacle that peace must flow across is your desire to get rid of it for it cannot extend unless you keep it. You are the center from which it radiates outward to call the others in. You are its home. It's tranquil dwelling place from which it gently reaches out, but never leaving you. On the next page 408 paragraph three says the Holy Spirit's purpose for us in peace within you. Yet you are still unwilling to let it join you wholly. You still oppose the will of God by just a little, and that little is a limit you would place upon the world, upon the whole. God's will is one, not many. It has no opposition, and there is none beside it. What you would still contain behind your little barrier and keep separate from your brother seems mightier than the universe, for it would hold back the universe and its creator. This little wall would help the purpose, sorry, would hide the purpose of heaven and keep it from heaven. Paragraph 4 sentence 7 says, Salvation cannot be withheld from you. It is your purpose. You cannot choose it apart from this. You have no purpose apart from your brother, nor apart from the one you ask the Holy Spirit to share with you the little wall will fall away so quietly beneath the wings of peace for peace will send its messenger from you to all the world and barriers will fall away before their coming is easily as easily as those that you interpose will be surmounted paragraph 5 says to overcome the world is no more difficult than to surmount your tiny your sorry your little wall For in the miracle of your holy relationship without this barrier is every miracle contained. Paragraph six. Um, Sentence. Oh, no, I'm going to start with sentence one. There is a hush in heaven, a happy expectancy, a little pause of gladness and acknowledgement of the journey's end. For heaven knows you well as you know heaven. No illusions stand between you and your brother now. Look not upon the little wall of shadows. The sun has risen over it. How can a shadow keep you from the sun? No more than you can be kept by shadows from the light in which illusions end. Every miracle is but the end of an illusion. Such was the such was the journey, such its ending. And in the goal of truth which you accepted must all illusions end. The next part I want to read is the second obstacle. And that's on page 412. And the second obstacle says, paragraph one says, we said that peace must first surmount the obstacle of your desire to get rid of it. Where the attraction of guilt holds sway, peace is not wanted. The second obstacle that peace must flow across and closely relate to the first is the belief that the body is valuable for what it offers. For here is the attraction of guilt made manifest in the body and seen in it. Paragraph two says, this is the value that you think peace would rob you of. This is what you believe that it would dispossess and leave you homeless. And it is this for which you would deny a home to peace. This sacrifice you feel to be too great to make, too much to ask of you. Is it a sacrifice or a release? What has the body really given you that justifies your strange belief that in it lies salvation? Do you not see that this is the belief in death? Here is the focus of the perception of atonement as murder. Here is the source of the idea that love is fear. Paragraph 3 says the Holy Spirit's message, messengers are sent far beyond the body, calling the mind to join in Holy Communion and be at peace. Such is the message that I gave them for you. It is the only messengers of fear that see the body, for they look for what can suffer. It is a sacrifice. Is it a sacrifice to be removed from what can suffer? The Holy Spirit does not demand you sacrifice the hope of the body's pleasure. It has no hope of pleasure, (laughs) but neither can it bring you fear of pain. Pain is the only sacrifice the Holy Spirit asks, and this he would remove. Paragraph 4, on the next page, my next page, 413. Peace is extended from you only to the eternal, and it reaches out from the internal, from the eternal in you. It flows across all else. The second obstacle is no more solid than the first, for you want neither to get rid of peace nor limit it. What are these obstacles that you would interpose between peace and its going forth, but barriers you place between your will and its accomplishment? You want communion, not the feast of fear. You want salvation, not the pain of guilt. And you want your father, not a little mound of clay, to be your home. In your holy relationship with your father's son, he has not lost communion with him nor with himself. When you agree to join your brother, you acknowledge this is so. This has no cost, but it has release from cost. Paragraph 5 says, You have paid dearly for your illusions, and nothing you have paid for brought you peace. Are you not glad that heaven cannot be sacrificed, and sacrifice cannot be asked of you? There is no obstacle that you can place before our union, for in your holy relationship, I am there already. I will surmount all obstacles together. Sorry, we will surmount all obstacles together, for we stand within the gates and not outside. How easily the gates are opened from within to let peace through to bless the tired world. Can it be difficult for us to walk past barriers together when we have joined the limitless? The end of guilt is in your hands to give. Would you you stop now to look for guilt in your brother. And paragraph six, let me be to you the symbol of the end of guilt and look upon your brother as you would look on me. Forgive me all the sins you think the son of God committed. And in the light of your forgiveness, he will remember who he is and forget what never was. That's the second obstacle. And now I'm going to go to It's called, it's on page 414, it's called The Attraction of Pain. And paragraph nine, that's how, that's what it starts with the attraction of pain. And it says, your little part is but to give the Holy Spirit the whole idea of sacrifice and to accept the peace he gives instead without limits that would hold its extension back and so limit your awareness of it. For what he gives must be extended if you would have its limitless power and use it for the Son of God's release. It is not this you would be rid of, and having it you cannot limit it. If peace is homeless, so are you, and so am I. And he who is our home is homeless with us. Is this your wish? Would you forever be a wanderer in search of peace? Would you invest your hope of peace and happiness in what must fail? Paragraph 10 says, Faith in the Eternal is always justified, for the Eternal is forever kind, infinite, in its patience, and wholly loving. It will accept you wholly and give you peace, yet it can unite only what already is at peace in you, immortal as itself. The body can bring you neither peace nor turmoil, neither joy nor joy, nor pain. It is a means and not an end. It has no purpose of itself, but only what is given to it. The body will seem to be whatever is the means for reaching the goal that you assign to it. Only the mind can set a purpose and only the mind can see the means for its accomplishment and justify its use. Peace and guilt are both conditions of the mind to be attained. And these conditions are the home of the emotion that calls them forth and therefore is compatible with them. And then paragraph 12, which is on the next page, 415. In the last paragraph, I'm going to quote. It is impossible to seek for pleasure through the body and not find pain. It is essential that this relationship be understood, for it is one the ego sees as proof of sin. It is not really punitive at all. It is but the inevitable result of equating yourself with the body, which is the invitation to pain, for it invites fear to enter and become your purpose. The attraction of guilt must enter with it, and whatever fear directs the body to do is therefore painful. It will share the pain of all illusions, and the illusion of pleasure will be the same as pain. The next part I want to cover is called the incorruptible body. And that is, I'm going to take away all these little marks. The incorruptible body is on page 417, but I'm only going to read paragraph 11, which is on page 419. It's the last paragraph in, um, actually in this whole chapter too. It says, when anything seems to you to be a source of fear, when any situation strikes you with terror and makes your body tremble and the cold sweat of fear comes over it, remember it is always for one reason. The ego has perceived it as a symbol of fear, a sign of sin and death. Remember then that neither sign nor symbol should be confused with source, for they must stand for something other than themselves. Their meaning cannot lie in them, but must be sought in what they represent. And they and they may thus mean everything or nothing according to truth or falsity of the idea which they reflect. Confront it with such seeming uncertainty of meaning, judge it not. remember the holy presence of the one given to you to be the source of judgment. Give it to him to judge for you and say, "Take this from me and look upon it, judging it for me. Let me not see it as a sign of sin or death, nor use it for destruction. Teach me how to make how to not make it oh wait a minute, teach how not to make it an obstacle to peace but let you use it for me to facilitate its coming. Interesting that this paragraph is a paragraph that sort of drew me to understanding that anything that I'm thinking, so particularly fearing is just something that I'm creating in my mind and it's not real and it's not who I am or, or what is actually happening. It's just what I'm making happen. And that's when the darkness thing left for me when I decided that I was no longer fearful of the dark and, I am no longer fearful of the dark, period. This chapter explains the obstacles to peace, all of them in our minds. It is in our minds to create peace. We have become somewhat invested in chaos and unrest. We panic, fear, and overreact to situations because we feel powerless. It's the ego that feels powerless because the ego is powerless but you aren't. Peace is within your grasp. Peace is attainable by all who want it. If you do not have peace in your life, you need to ask yourself why. If the answer is blaming another, then try again. Others cannot take away peace unless you are willingly letting them. This is all within your control. The next part that I'm going to reference is the manual for teachers. The workbook only had one lesson and nothing that's not already been said. So I thought I would skip over that and just do the two. um, There's two parts in the manual for teacher one called how is peace possible in this world? And the other called what is the peace of God and how is peace possible in this world is on page 29 in the manual for teachers. If you have that, if you don't just listen and you will. uh, hear what it has to say. Paragraph one says, this is a question everyone must ask. Certainly peace seems to be impossible here, yet the word of God promises others other things and seemed impossible as well as this. His word has promised peace. It is also promised that there is no death, that resurrection must occur, and that rebirth is man's inheritance. The world you see cannot be the world God loves, and yet his word assures us that he loves the world. God's word has promised that peace is possible here, and what he promises can hardly be impossible. But it is true that the world must be looked at differently if his promises are to be accepted. What the world is, is but a fact. You cannot choose what this should be, but you can choose how you would how you would see it. Indeed, you must choose this. Paragraph 2 says again, We come to the question of judgment. This time, ask yourself whether your judgment or the word of God is more likely to be true. For they say different things about the world, and things so opposite that it is pointless to try to reconcile them. God offers the world salvation. Your judgment would condemn it. God says there is no death. Your judgment sees but death as an inevitable end of life. God's word assures you that he loves the world. Your judgment says it is unlovable. Who is right? For one of you is wrong. It must be so. Paragraph 3 says, The text explains that the Holy Spirit is the answer to all problems you have made. These problems are not real, but that is meaningless to those who believe in them. And everyone believes in what he made, for it was made by his believing it. Into this strange and paradoxical situation, one without meaning and devoid of sense, Yet one of which no way seems possible. God has sent his judgment to answer yours. His gentle judgment substitutes for yours, and through this substitution is the ununderstandable made understandable. <laughs> How is peace possible in this world? In your judgment, it is not possible and can never be possible. But in the judgment of God, what is reflected here is only peace. Paragraph 4 says, Peace is impossible to those who look on war. Peace is inevitable to those who offer peace. How easy, then, is your judgment of the world escaped? It is not the world that makes peace seem impossible. It is the world you see that is impossible. Yet has God's judgment on this distorted world deemed it and made it fit to welcome peace? And peace descends on it in joyous answer. Peace now belongs here because the thought of God has entered. What else but a thought of God turns hell to heaven merely by being what it is? The earth bows down before its gracious presence, and it leans down in answer to raise it up again. Now the question, different. It is no longer, can peace be possible in this world? But instead, is it not possible that peace be absent here? actually read the whole section of that. <laughs> I thought it was really good and worth reading it all. The next part I want to read is on page 51 of the manual for teachers. And it is called, what is the peace of God? I did not, don't, no, not reading the whole thing, but I'm reading various sections. Paragraph one says, it has been said that there is a kind of peace that is not of this world. How is it recognized? How is it found? And being found, how can it be retained? Let us consider each of these questions separately, for each reflects a different step along the way. First, paragraph 2. How can the peace of God be recognized? God's peace is recognized at first by just one thing. In every way, it is totally unlike all previous experiences. It calls to mind nothing that went before. It brings with it no past associations. It is a new thing entirely. There is a contrast, yes, between this thing and all the past, but strangely, it is not a contrast of true differences. The past just slips away, and in its place is everlasting quiet. Only that. The contrast first perceived as merely gone, quiet has reached to cover everything. Paragraph 3. How is this quiet found? No one can fail to find it, who but seeks out its conditions god's peace can never come where anger is for anger must deny that peace exists who sees anger as justified in any way or any circumstances proclaims that peace is meaningless and must believe that it cannot exist in this condition peace cannot be found therefore forgiveness is the necessity is, ne- is necessary is a necessary condition for the finding of peace, of the peace of God. The next paragraph is paragraph five. At the bottom of fifty-one starts with living is joy, but death can only weep. You see in death escape from what you made, but this you do not see that you I'm gonna change the page, that you made death, and it is but an illusion of an end. Death cannot be escaped because it is not life in which the problem lies. Life has no opposite, for it is God. Life and death seem to be opposites because you have decided death ends life. Forgive the world, and you will understand that everything that God created cannot have an end, and nothing he did not create is real. In this one sentence is our course explained. In this one sentence is our practicing given its one direction. And in this one sentence is the Holy Spirit's whole curriculum specified exactly as it is. And paragraph six says, what is the peace of God? No more than this, the simple understanding that his will is holy without opposite. And then I'm going to jump down to sentence nine near the bottom. It says the will of God is one and all there is. This is your heritage, the universe beyond the sun and the stars and all the thoughts of which you can conceive belongs to you. God's peace is in the condition for his will. Attain his peace and you remember him. So tomorrow, start your day with a declaration of what you want it to look like. Pay attention to your thoughts. They are under your control. If you are struggling, ask for help. Continue finding the holy instant. Try to find it each day. Spend those moments sitting in the quietness and listening to, not listening to your own thoughts, but listening to the sounds around you. As you continue to evaluate your attachments and special relationships, continue to ask yourself, what is this for? Why am I attached to this? Is this part of my journey? Forgiveness starts by letting go of the past. Whenever, whatever the theme is, ask yourself one question in relation to it. Again, what is it for? If you can't find an answer, find an answer, then it must not be as important as you imagined it to be. Let it go. Fear does not exist. It is only real to you. You created it and you can undo it. Love is the opposite of fear. Let it go. Judgment is a choice. You can choose simply not to do it. There is no good or bad judgment. Both have equal inequities and drawbacks. The answer is to not judge but rather accept things as they are. Not good, not bad. It is what it is. Embrace the gift. Death is also a choice. Believe in its finality and you believe that you are disposable. Believe in its it's an ending and you believe you have no purpose. Believe in its illusion and you will always be afraid and feel misery. Choose life eternal and choose to embrace a path of love and joy. Choose life eternal and choose to never accept that anything is final. Peace starts with you. Find the peace that lies within you and you will extend it to everyone you meet. When you have peace, you seek no attack and anyone who attempts to attack you will find no enemy. Peace is weighted in forgiveness, as most things are. Let go and you will find peace there. Next week, I'm going to talk about perception versus knowledge. Until next week, remember, this is our journey. Keep finding your way. Have a healthy and safe week. Always love, Denise.